Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Go stone, go set some. If you're gonna blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe, coming as strong as we can. It's been one of those weeks, man. The weather's not cooperating, and on top of allergies, <laughs> uh, as Rod would say, I got the BGZ. Something oh, fierce. man. Yeah. You guys know. I've been uh, there. It's no secret. Still got to play. I, I don't like, yeah, I don't like to start the show on stuff Still like this. Still got to play, man. But you guys know, uh, for the last few years, I've, I've battled my uh, intestinal issues, digestive issues. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if it's the stress of wife being pregnant and baby being about six oh, weeks no doubt. out. But it, uh, or something I ate, but it, it came back with a vengeance. Fierce. I think they call it sim- and don't you supposed to have sympathy pains? There's easily like with your a- wife, like you're supposed to like there's sympathy weight like game mm-hmm. with your wife when she's pregnant. Stages oh, not wife, of just pregnancy. Whatever your, like your significant other is, whatever. Well, wives have and to be pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Sympathy. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, gender hey, neutral. Hey, these days a lot of crazy stuff going on. I was just saying, whoever, Junior. <laughs> whoever it is. Because it might have been your wife, baby mama. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. anything. So whoever it is that you are in this relationship with, that you are creating a human being being with you have sympathy uh things so like sympathy weight and you may have sympathy like pain with your woman like she's doing like february right february 19th but uh yeah. you know he could talk about all kinds of stories uh that's why he's the renaissance man here on longhorn but it's our lockdown corner on the show lifetime longhorn 2002 ut all-american 2002 semifinalist for the jim thorpe award fourth round draft choice of the new york giants in 2003 spent his nfl career with the giants lions bears bucks broncos and a year with the hamilton tiger cats of the cfl the hamilton tiger cats who do they own johnny manziel's rights now yes that is Right, they, they are while. negotiating with Johnny Manziel. Go, go. Tiger Cat! I don't even know that's a, that's a chance. I'm just really excited. <laughs> but when, unlike Johnny Manziel, who's seeking refuge in Canada, when Man Robbie was done in Canada, got himself back to Austin, Texas, like a sane man, and back to Forty Acres, <laughs> where he earned his degree. If he had his T ring, he would wear it proudly. But nevertheless, he is a card carrying member of DBU, number twenty one in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, let's go ahead and start the discussion. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the, with the good Longhorn football news, because you know it's we, we're kind of on a nice little roll here like bowl win and you know wrapping up uh not wrapping up but really getting the bulk of a recruiting class is number three in the country that does tom herman tries to turn this roster over and the good vibes continue charles amena who announces he's coming back for his That's senior right. year which folks up. let me tell you some people are like, why was it decision trust me it was a decision because charles amena who was kind of in that gray area where now when the when the draft divide it's not the draft advisory committee i forget the proper name yeah for yeah, it, but, yeah. but it basically that's what they are right they advise you send your name they, they used yeah. to give you various grades on where you could project. Yeah. Now they give you two grades. Two grades. Probable first round, probable second round, or Get neither, which means you should go back to school. Uh, yeah, basically. And Charles Amenahu, from what I was told, got the you should go back to school. However, that didn't stop people from being in his ear telling him he could have been drafted, according to some people that he was getting information from, possibly in the fourth round, just based on us. But upside. just to, for the record, we don't know like Deshaun Elliott's uh, opinion from that committee. We don't know Houghton Hills. But I can, I can tell you right now, it's probably from what I've heard, go back to school for right. those guys. Right. You know what I mean? But those guys are also still deciding to go. Because that probably means you're a third, your projection as probably late second round to anywhere from late second round to like sixth round. Right. That's basically what that means. Or, or you're not going to get drafted at all. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that's a that's a risk you take, yeah. pretty much. So Charles Amena, who is coming back, uh, you know, he maybe he would have been drafted, maybe he would have been an undrafted free agent, but now I think you're seeing a guy that, okay, now we know him, he's man. on the NFL radar. You, We've seen the tools. We saw We've seen him gradually put it together. Now, Rod, that, you know, that step we were expecting Cedric Reed to make going into his senior year mm. that from injuries and various other things he wasn't yeah. able to make. That's the move we need to see Charles Amenahu make. So now, okay, now you're a guy who is a productive player. You've got the tools to be an all-conference caliber player. Can you be an, a down-to-down difference maker in the trenches? That's the step Charles Amenahu needs to take going into next year. What is his, uh, what's the frame? Is he 6'6"? All mm. right, he's listed as 6'7", 280. Okay, but I don't think 
think he's but six, according seven. to Charles, I think he's like because like, Charles is an availability. Yeah, he's probably six five, six, six five, six six. six. But, but the, a long wingspan. Yeah, the frame is what NFL scouts are. Mm-hmm. You know, just ex- they they are really excited about. Yeah, when it and comes I think to he, Charles he, Hill. he played like he most is, of his season. I think. I want to say it was an availability right around probably the OU game. Yeah. And I think he said he was, at that time, probably like 269, 270, yeah. somewhere right around there. Okay, so he's basically 6'6", 280. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm, nice talking about, I'm talking about a 6'6", 280 that doesn't look it. Oh, right. that's lean. Like, he carries exactly. He looks like a Rackpo, and a Rackpo is 6'4", 215. Carries it well. And, you know, the NFL scouting process and the combine, all that, and I, I don't think he, I don't know if he's going to, you know, he got invited to the combine or if he's one of those guys that was going to get invited. I don't know, but I know my my combine experience. Like those guys, it's very kind. Of, I always call it very homoerotic, and not in like a bad way. But they pay attention to these things that men usually don't compliment. Yes. Like if I tell you that you got some, you got really nice thighs, and that you got an ass yeah. that says you got a good base. Like you don't pay. You think I was being weird, or mm-hmm. I was coming on to you in regular life. <laughs> but you hear those things whispered about you as you walk through the meat market Ooh. of the NFL combine. Like damn. Damn, look at Basically, his ass. Look calling. at that ass. Yeah. It's like, I know oh, how a woman feels yeah. like from day to day. It's like, ooh, look at the thighs on that dude. Like, look at the calves on that. Out. Like, they are really, like, with your body and your frame, and like, damn, he's got long arms. Like, so there are things they're just really attracted right. to. And Charles Amenahu is just one. He's like, I mean, he is, he's All Kim Kardashian. He's Scarlett Johansson. He's got a body right. that is just rocket when it comes to NFL scouts. They love it. And in Tar Orlando system, this one things I've done research on, and I'm going to go deep into it because I know we got a lot of things we got hit on, but I started doing, I started cyber-stalking you know, Todd Orlando because, you know, recently when Dave Aranda got the new contract, right. you know, I, I, I made the case that Todd Orlando should be paid as much as Dave Aranda or at least should be a $2 million a year coach or in top five. Turns out he's going to be a top five paid coach, and they yeah. get that done, alright? But the, the reason I made the, the comment, did the research, is because if you look at the defense of Todd Orlando, they seem to be trending more towards where college football is going, rather than even Dave Aranda's. Now, basically, I'll just give you the synopsis. Dave Aranda's defenses, and he's younger, by the way, than Charlie Aranda. Charlie Aranda's 45. Dave Aranda's like 41. Um, Dave Aranda's defenses are better in, in total defense, uh, consistently better in passing defense, and better in scoring defense. And you're like, oh, well, that should be in the discussion. Not necessarily, because Todd Orlando's defenses force more turnovers consistently. They have more sacks, more tackles for loss, better rush defenses. And it's very strange, like, if, and, and we talked about, like, how the definition of defense is changing in the, in the Big 12. And Todd Orlando's defenses are almost constructed, uh, the blueprint of them, the construct, to be very successful against these very prolific passing offenses. Right. You know what I mean? You're talking about negative plays and stuff rates, as Matt brings up all the time, and forcing turnover because it's a points possession type league that you're in in the Big 12. And so yeah, it all depends on, on what... Zone D. Yeah, it all depends on what your definition of good defense is. Now, Dave Aranda, I think, is really good because he's adapted, much like Tarlando, to whatever the culture of the conference they're playing in. He plays in the Big 10 and in the in the SEC, they have more conservative offenses. They're more power running game. So he's constructed his defenses to really counter that. And I think Todd Orlando's kind of done the opposite because he's been in the AAC and in the Big 12 prolific passing conferences. And my point is to get back to Todd Orlando and his assets, and that's one of them, and comparing him to Dave Randall, it might deep dive into the stats. Todd Orlando, you go look at his personnel that he's had a chance to coach and or recruit over the last few years. And it's easy to track it because he's only been at his last few destinations for like two years. And UConn was the only spot that he was at for a really, really long time. He was at UConn for what, nine years? Nine, close to a decade. You know what I mean? Like He he rose up through the ranks, linebacker coach and then uh, D.C. and all that kind of stuff. And at, at UConn, you go look at the defense of like the the defense that he recruited and all those guys, and I got the stats right here, and you know I can actually give it to you and break it down. But I mean, there were and for 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 UConn, I will say there were. He was at UConn for twelve years. Damn, was he there that long? Twelve years, yeah. The last six as uh, as defense coordinator. Yeah. Okay. So he overthrew with the Ed Solera. All right. So that's yeah. That's so that's even longer. So I want to say there were they had twenty players drafted. All right, from UConn in like the Super Bowl era since the Super. Bowl era started, which is like what 1965 or whatever. I mean, 1970. Yeah, so 1970, whatever it is. All right. Um, and Todd Orlando is basically responsible for either recruiting or coaching 16 of those 20. 
You know what I mean? Okay. Like while he was there. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. when their defense, they started, you know, changing the culture of defense there. And if you go look at a lot of those guys, I mean, they had their best seasons under Todd Orlando. And then I was like, oh, man, okay, so people have their best season. So let me go look at the U of H guys. And you know the research on the U of H guys, all right? You know all those guys that started coming out for, for U of H. I mean, they had their best seasons under Todd Orlando, um, whether you're talking about uh, Bowser or um, whether you're getting into talking about the, the defensive backs. And they had a ton of defensive backs that end up getting drafted, too. Mm-hmm. Um, William Jackson, Howard Wilson, yeah, all those guys. Got right? And, and, and UConn, what, Brown? Or who was it with the Cowboys? Byron Jones? Yeah, they had. That, uh, that would have been the tail. Orlando, was it yeah. Brandon Williams? They had Howard, uh, Brandon Wilson, excuse yeah. me, Howard Wilson, William Jackson the third. Um, they had some other guys drafted too. Now, I'm not even including Ed Oliver in this. I'm just getting with the guys that were actually drafted from U of H. They had their best seasons under Todd Orlando. Bowser did, uh, Wilson, uh, both of the Wilsons, William Jackson the third, who's only a one year guy. All right, one year <laughs> had their best seasons under Todd Orlando. And FIU, and FIU is basically, a, I think, a program that's been around for like like four years or something. I don't even know if it's been around. It's been like for like maybe eight, eight, I heard about it when T.Y. Hilton came on the scene. All right, they've had— uh, e- Elan- Elandon Roberts is one of those guys that got drafted who's starting with the Patriots now. There you go. Um, they had their uh, four defensive players drafted in the history of the program from hmm. FIU. Two of them had their best seasons under Todd Orlando. Um, and Jonathan Cyprian is one of those guys. I think he is. Yeah. Man, who is he with? The Titans, Jacksonville. He left, is it Jacksonville? Maybe he, it's Jacksonville. He, he was it, there and then went as a free agent okay. out, I believe. But yeah. yeah. But my, my point being this. Go look at the guys at Texas that had their best seasons in that Todd Orlando defense. Can we name all the guys who had their best seasons? Charles Amenahu mm-hmm. is obviously the one well, that started All the with. guys that are going to be drafted probably, so that's Malik, Deshaun, Malik? Holton, Everybody. Puna. Nobody had a better season last year than this year. Houghton Hill. All of them. Deshaun Elliott. Deshaun Elliott. Charles Amenahu. I think Willer might have had his best damn season, too. That's debatable. Probably. No, probably. Statistically, yeah. If you look at at the splash plays, Um, yeah. Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd, definitely. Devontae Davis Davis is playing his best football. All of them. Jason Jason Hall. Jason Hall might have played his best best football under Todd Orlando. Antoine Davis, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, look, it's like we talk about seven, eight guys who had their best season. Jones right? made great improvements over the last half of the season. So he's been, and I looked at it, he's had 12 defensive backs drafted since 2006, since he was there at UConn. I'm talking about him as a recruiter, too. All right, so he's on the recruiting trail. I'm talking about evaluating talent, even when he's, like, uh, at the lowest of the totem poles of coach. Uh, he has eight linebackers drafted since then, four defensive linemen. That's not including guys like Puna Ford and Ed Oliver, all right, who are going to get drafted, too, at one point. So my point is, most of those guys had their best seasons under Todd Orlando. He's really, really good at maximizing talent. Mm-hmm. And he's proven that over a long, long time span. And that's what I'm really excited about when it comes to the, the DBs that bring it in the 2018 class. They say Texas is bringing in the you know, greatest DB hall maybe ever in the history of modern recruiting. They're playing six DBs as their yeah. base defense right now. Hell, you could use all those guys. Like, I wonder if they're this part of their recruiting pitch. It's is a like, sellable. Look it at is. our defense right now. We're playing yeah. DBs, baby. We're in the Big Twelve. It is, and, and it's that modern concept that you that's the reinvention with. of DBU. And you can it's do Todd that. Orlando's now dime defense. That's the base personnel, and you can play all those athletes at one time. And you pointed out all these players that stepped into situations and actually excelled and continued to do so under him. And you know, we looked last. Last week at you know Puna Ford and how integral he may have been to the success of the defense in the bowl game, but also you could look at something like this where it, there's evidence everywhere Orlando's been that the, his players, when given the opportunity, have played well and excelled past what they had done in the previous stops. So we saw maybe game one of what can be next year's defense in the bowl game, and now you need somebody to replace Puna, need somebody to also do the other things that are needed to yep. keep that defense along. But just you bringing that up right there sort of explains a little bit more possibly about why when everybody said, oh, you're not going to have all these players that you expect to perform, the defense may drop off. But the next in line under Orlando seemed to have always excelled past what they had done in the previous season. It's uh, it's interesting, Rob, because that has been part of the recruiting pitch. And, and I was down at the Army Bowl last week and, and got to spend time with Caden Stearns and Anthony Cook, Jalen Green and those guys. And they said that was the pitch. Hmm. You know, they, you know a 
lot be. gets made about DBU, and Tom Herman said in his signing day press conference, said, you know, people talk about who's DBU, that's not part of what we sold. And talking to those guys, I mean, that's they said it might have come up once or twice, but that's not really what the staff spent time pitching. It was more of, look, look at what this package can do with you in it, and we can play six defensive backs, and everybody can have a role, and those guys see that. And, and yep. the you know, guys like Jalen Green and Anthony Cook see, yeah, there's, there's definitely room in this package for corners who the coaches want to trust to be vulnerable to, to leave them on an island and, and play man coverage. And as much as Todd Orlando blitzes, he wants to play uh, a lot of man coverage on the outside. And that's that's what right, that's what these young cats want, man. That's yeah. in these seven on seven they leagues. Do. I mean it's 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 they're spread babies too. Now we're mm-hmm. talking about the offensive spread yeah. babies. They're spread babies. They, well, it's like a they challenge play too. I think, but the same I think way you too, see somebody freestyle well, battle, you see a dude want to go one on one. There's some element yeah, to one on one even in basketball there's that well idea. yeah, I think that's to me that's that's part of the that's not so much seven on seven express stuff. To me that's the camp culture where a lot of the camp stuff mm-hmm. is comes down to to one on one matchups and a lot of mm-hmm. these all star game practices it comes down to everybody wants to see the one on one. That's what people say about it. And, and and I think that's part of that mentality for these guys is you know, I think you've got to have great make I think makeup is one of those things people always talked about it at corner but I think now I think makeup is one of those things that you've really got to have at the corner position because <clears throat> the more the more these spread offenses get sophisticated and come up with different you know schemes and and, and different things to throw at you mm-hmm. the more defensive coordinators have to get exotic and blitz which means the more you know, man free or zero coverage, whatever you've got to play. So you need guys that have that great makeup, that mentality to be true one on one corners. Try B, you played with great athletes at all levels of this game, man. Even the guys that have the skills, man, if you ain't got the makeup, you can't be a frontline corner. It takes all those skills coming together yep. for you to be a lockdown corner. And I think guys like Jalen Green, Anthony Cook, they have that mentality. But then, you know, Caden Stearns, there's a role for for ball hawking safeties in this mm-hmm. thing. There's role, you know, you look at DeMarvion Overshone BJ Falls in, in that role that Jason. Hall played. I think that's perfect for DeMarvion Overshone. It's kind of a dime linebacker type position. Yep. Uh, B.J. Foster is another guy that at safety and. I don't want to. I, I want to save kind of some of the two safety stuff when we talk about the championship game here in a minute. But yeah, the six defensive backs is part of the pitch. But I think what Todd Orlando's done in terms of recruiting is he's done a really good job of selling the various parts of this package to these various position groups. And yeah. you know, I was talking to Gary Johnson after the bowl game and kind of going through Gary Johnson's kind of his his path to Texas. And this was a guy, and this is why I like Gary Johnson. People are like, well, I don't know about his size, and I'm like, look, Nick Saban <laughs> wanted him. Like he was committed <laughs> was to Alabama. I was like if he was at Saban. <laughs> Be a and and had it not had it not been for an issue with his transcript that, that prevented him from transferring to an SEC school, he he probably would have started in the championship game for Alabama as down as their linebacker yeah. depth was. And you know, talking to Gary Johnson, he's like, oh, last year he's like, I didn't know where I was going at this time last year. He didn't because that thing with Alabama fell through. <clears throat> Excuse me, he basically had to go through the whole recruiting process again. But in talking to him, he said the one thing that he really liked when he started talking to Todd Orlando was they highlighted what linebackers can do in this package. So I think that's – whether you're talking about the defensive backs, the linebackers, or getting back to mm-hmm. Charles Amenahu in, in the defensive line, I think this staff, this defensive staff has done a really good job, to your point, Rod, about what Todd Orlando's done in his very stop, saying this package works because we've taken – and Jason Washington recruiting corners, what yep. he sent guys to the NFL out of Texas State and Rice at Houston. Yeah. said, look, we've taken this package and – with not the kind of talent we can recruit at Guys Texas. who are less talented than you. Yes, we sent yeah. guys to the NFL, and we fielded you know top 25 defenses and elite defenses. Can you imagine, once we get you in here, who yep. you have a higher ceiling, can you imagine what you can do in this package yep. and how, what this defense can look like? And I think that's what they're selling, and they've done a really good job of that. And, and I think you know we talk about Puna Ford, and that's going to be replacing him is going to be a really big part of what this defense job does. They got, I yeah. think it's by far the toughest thing they've got to do going into 2018 defensively is replacing Puna Ford. But I think the versatility with with what Todd Orlando can do out of different various three man looks, three down looks, various four down looks. Uh, I think you'll see a lot more slanting him getting back to basically Puna Ford was his at Oliver this year. I mm-hmm. think you'll see look more like what Todd Orlando's defenses have looked like more his first year at U of like H UConn. or what they looked at Utah State. They'll go way back. Yeah, with it. yeah. Well, he didn't have that dominant right. D tackle. More that about war more about slanting and angles yeah. and, and creating leverage. Because you got good DNs, you got yeah. Roach, you got and, guys on the outside that can got, make plays, yeah, with, and you got. Secondary guys right. who can make plays. And the whole defense basically pivots around that one D lineman, his strength, yeah. and then use that against the weakness I agree with of that. the And we talk, we talk about a minute who needs to take the step, and I think that is the step. If Charles Minahu wants to be a first or second round pick, clearly being a dominant every down defender is the step he needs to take. But when you just look at the totality of it, Texas has depth on the defensive line. Yes, they lose Puna Ford, but especially if they can get Chris Nelson back. And Chris Nelson's a guy that we've heard you know could be entertaining, maybe a graduate transfer. That's just one of the rumors out there. Uh, 
but if you get Chris Nelson back, now you talk about Nelson, Amenahu, Brecken Hager, Roach, you know, Gerald Wilbon, Taquan Graham. You know, you've got guys that, yeah, while you might not have that one Puna Ford, you've got enough pieces there, Rod, where I think you can be able to, to put something together that can make you pretty formidable up front. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It is interesting you bring up, like, you know, Todd Orlando, what he's done earlier, uh, days like at Utah State, where you didn't have that war daddy at defensive tackle, yet he still was able to field some top 20 rush defenses, top 10 rush defenses. Some of it has to do with the culture, but a lot of it has to do with his ability to kind of maximize the talent he has. I think if you go back and look at those secondaries for some of those teams at UConn back in the day when he fielded really good defenses, they were, you know, they, they had a lot of good defensive backs, so he'd man up on the outside and load the box to stop the run to make teams one-dimensional. Still the same blueprint, the same modus operandi, which is stop the run, make it one-dimensional, then get after the quarterback and force turnovers. That's always been his mantra. That's why he has better, more opportunistic defenses than even some of the best defensive coordinators in the country, including Dave Aranda. All right, they force more turnovers. They get after the quarterback better. Uh, they have forced more negative plays. But I think with Todd Orlando, having that war daddy is something that's been new to him because he hasn't had access yeah. to this much power five talent. Remember, my comparison to Dave Aranda and Todd Orlando, keep, sorry to keep going back to it, but you know, Dave Aranda's been in a power five conference with Wisconsin and LSU. The last like five years, five, six years. So Tylando just got to the power five. Mm, like literally just one, got yeah. access to some of the prime talent. Like the Ed Oliver in H Town, you know, that was that was a uh, you know that that was an aberration, really. You don't get guys like that at, at no, a group of five schools. All mm. right. That guy may be the number one overall draft pick in the draft whenever he decides to come out. So I think here at Texas, you're gonna see his defense start to trend more because he's got access to some of the prime talent in the country, which he's never really had access to. At U of H, he got a sneak peek at it. Nothing like here at Texas. No, and that's something that's always interesting because you can watch a career of a coach, and there's always going to be those basic principles or ideologies that they're built upon. But like you're saying, you know, on your way to get to where you want to be, you may have to do things with your current talent that isn't necessarily ideal to what your principles are. But then when you get to land at the spot like Texas, as we've yep. seen with Herman, as we've seen with Orlando, now it's there is a little bit of a period where you got to find those pieces and make sure this fits but it also it makes a coach very well versed they've already been dealt you aren't in a situation where you've always been the have and then subtract something from it now what no this is something where you've been able to basically be handed chicken bleak before and turn it into something and mold it and been able to adapt and have been put in adverse situations and have had to work understand how to manufacture certain aspects of your defense or your offense and then now when you get the pieces that you actually want as long as you pick them correctly and your vision has been in the right mind the entire way it can be maximized and that's just where it's good to be in that ascension where you're watching guys and you're like okay well I mean if he's getting the best out of these guys what can that ceiling be that's why there is hope yeah and he's been at different conferences too right the AAC the Mountain West the Big 12 having to change he's had to adapt you know I mean over and over again with that same system and that was one thing that what was our biggest criticism of the previous coaching regime inability to adapt, to adapt had been quickly. one style had been in that world and then it had changed and it not isn't necessarily the coach's fault he's that coach yep. not the one that you are trying to go and get to become that coach so exactly right all right pause for the cause of pays and bills but when we come back we're talking more about the end of the college football season how this relates to texas and what the biggest challenge for tom herman might be we'll do all that and more when we come back on Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. This is Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Now, here is your host, Jeff Howe. So I want to move on to the championship game. So we covered the Amenahu thing, and I think that's great for Texas. And if you get Chris Nelson back again, I, I, we'll talk more about the construction of this defense. But I think you're setting up to have a pretty salty defense, uh, at least up front in 2000, 2018, if you get uh, Chris Nelson back. you got enough pieces to make it work. But I want to move on to the championship game, guys. And Alabama does take down Georgia late on as a, mm. one of the craziest <laughs> finishes to a title game I can remember. Where Walk-off touchdown. It's like the gift and the – curse of having a, a really talented true freshman quarterback he takes a sack that's like oh young man you can't do that and then comes right back the next play and throws a freaking 40 yard touchdown on a rope to mm-hmm. to win the belt but 
Rod, I know everybody got hung up on the Nick Saban versus his former assistants thing, and he was, I think, 11-0 and going into that mm-hmm. game against Kirby Smart, and people made a big deal about against it. Against all the former assistants. Right. And, uh, you know, I to me, that was irrelevant going into this game. And you know why? Because Kirby Smart had one thing that Jim McElwain and Will Muschamp and even Jimbo Fisher this year that those guys didn't have. Kirby Smart had comparable players. And that to me, when I when when I look at this championship game and thinking about Texas, that is the biggest challenge for Tom Herman. It's not so much turning the roster over because Charlie Strong turned the roster over. It's can you turn the roster over and consistently continue to bring in top level talent that is going to win you a championship? How many number one recruiting classes has Saban? Rodby, that's yeah. don't go back <laughs> to go back to your time though. That yeah. ninety nine class that was a great class. Great class. That's, that that really set the foundation. But. 2000 class was a top three class. 2001 class was a top five class. Mm-hmm. The 2002 class was the number one number class one. in the country. Yep. That's how you win a national championship. Yeah, you got to stack like four or five of them. Yeah, you know, I th- one thing has been doing it for 15 years. One thing people got hung up on, and 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 I see Texas fans. I see both sides of it. You know, when you talk about, oh, look at all the true freshmen for Alabama and Georgia in that game making plays. And what it tells me for Texas, it tells me two things. One, yes, the Texas, particularly the offensive staff, could have squeezed more juice out of the orange this year on the fourth. And I think Tom Herman would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I think it also shows you that when you've got veteran talent and you've got a a system where competition exists every day because you're stacking talent on top of talent on top of talent, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman, sophomore, senior, whatever, the really good is going to ultimately rise to the top. And when you look at these two rosters, just want to read you from the 24-7 Sports Composite Class Rankings, starting with that class of 2014, going through the class of 2017, which is the classes that really made up the bulk of the rosters yeah. for this game. 2014, Alabama number one, Georgia number eight. 2015, mm. Alabama number one, Georgia number six. 2016, Alabama number one, Georgia number six. 2017, <laughs> Alabama number one, Georgia number three. So you've got, there was a lot of damn NFL talent on that field money yeah. now on both sides. Mm-hmm. And, Rod, we can talk about freshmen playing, whatever, but if Texas wants to get back to being Texas, which, you know, I was in a, a little roundtable with Chris Del Conte uh, Tuesday night nice. this week, and that's what he said kind of his the goal is. He, he said that was the message from Greg Fenvis was Texas needs to get back to being Texas, and it starts with football. Football is the, the economic engine that drives everything mm-hmm. on the 40. And if that's going to happen – we can talk about schemes, which are important. We can talk about strength conditioning, which is obviously important. But Rod B, that's the biggest challenge for Tom Herman is can you recruit at a high enough level to get your roster stacked top to bottom with the kinds of players that are going to go win you a championship? Um, okay, I totally agree with you. So I'm not disagreeing at all. But we do understand that there is more to it. Mm-hmm. Because yes. Yes. Charlie, all these guys that are going to the NFL this year from Texas, and that's going to be like four or five of them. Charlie recruited. And they All right, and those guys, freshmen. yeah, and those guys still couldn't win here at Texas. You know what I mean? You had the defensive lineman of the year, Big Twelve defensive player of the year, Cole, and a unanimous All American in your secondary, along with another guy who some people say performed better than him in the secondary and was that good for most of the year before he was suspended. Houghton Hill and the best special teams player in the country, and you won. Well, how many? Five Big 12 games? Well, six Big 12 games. Five? Five. Five. Five mm-hmm. Big 12 games. Five you know what I mean? Yeah. So so it ain't all just – and I know you got to have the talent. That's those without question. Mm-hmm. My point is Texas has – Texas has talent. Texas. That's not an Texas is bereft of talent. Right. Like they, like we become Kansas or, or Baylor overnight. We don't, man. That's been my it's point. It's freaking yeah. Texas. Guys grow up like Sam Ellinger who say, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to Texas, period. That's yeah. what I am. There are other guys, I've seen them on social media. I'm going to Texas, and that's it. I'm not going anywhere else. That's, they still yeah. grow up going and wanting that. So my point is, about Tom Herman building his culture, because you want to talk about like what Kirby Smart's done. He's from the Nick Saban regime, so let's just talk Saban. Right? So yeah. Kirby Smart was with Nick Saban longer than any of his other assistants. He's 12-0 versus former assistants. Kirby Smart was with him for like 11 years. Mm-hmm. So nobody fielded a better team as an assistant of Nick Saban than Kirby Smart. Right. He was the most talented team that Nick Saban had ever faced of one of his former assistants, and he was the probably the best prepared of all those former assistants because he knew Nick Saban intimately, and he knew that oh, roster that intimately. He had recruited that roster for the last eight years. He knew it. Weaknesses and strengths of everybody. All right? So let's just start talking about Saban and his culture because that's what really matters. Six national championships, five in nine years because that's where Kirby Smart comes from. They were mirror images of one another. There is a culture there that exists, even with all the talent they're bringing in. They're bringing it in. But there's a culture, and we saw it with Jalen Hurts, obviously, when he was benched for Tua 
All right. How you say it? Tunga Viola? I just call him Tua. Tunga Viola. I don't want to screw up his name, but Tua Tua is what we call him now. Overnight, okay? Where you allow that five-star guy to come into the game. And (laughs) Jalen Hurts, who's 25-2, and throws one interception already. Started a national title game last year. He is, first of all, very mature about it. But, you know, that guy can come into the game and not only pick up where the other player left off, but take it to another level. Um, The five-star guys you brought up as other true freshmen, the wide receivers, the left tackle who got hurt, did a left leather, ended up being, yeah, he's a five-star. The the running back, Najee Harris, five-star running back, goes back to my time, and you brought it up on the 40 Acres where I was in a DB room with Quentin Jammer ahead of me, and I had young guys behind me like Cedric Griffin and Michael Huff and Nathan Basher. Uh, so if I didn't, it, 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 if I didn't perform up to expectations and I didn't mm-hmm. perform up to a certain standard, I wasn't going to see the field. And if what, the coach believed that one of those other guys could perform better than me, either whether it was my fault or not, Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. that guy's got to get the nod. We need the juice. We need that youngster to make a play. He might have a higher ceiling than you. You know what I mean? Like it was that understood is, competitiveness between, yeah, amongst it's a, the it, room. It, it, the, 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 the competitive uh, nature in, that, in those rooms, everybody understands, is taken to a, a, a level. A, a heightened level. When Chris Sims and Major Rapright are competing in that room for two or three years, and you can say what you want about Chris Sims and you hate him and all that kind of stuff. Think about the competitive, like, or in that room. Mm-hmm. Think about, like, what's going on in that room. And with Those the common goal to make one the team is a better. Head, one is a head coach right now at U of H and the other is an NFL player, alright, drafted in the fourth round. So they want scrubs. He's fourth all-time in winning percentage uh, for quarterbacks here at Texas. But think about how competitive that room became. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody who walked in, you could feel it. It was palpable. Like, holy shit. Right. There's something competitive going on. It was the same way in that DB room, that wide receiver room, when they had B.J. Johnson and Roy Williams and they kept bringing them in. It became the same way. That D-line room became the same way. That mm-hmm. running back room became like that, too. I, and that's how Nick saved all of his... Uh, all of his, you know, position rooms are like that. Yeah. And, that's and Texas how, isn't like that right now. And that's that's the, the point I was going to make, which is, man, I know, like I know you got something you want to get to here, but that that's the point I was getting to, Rod, with all this talent. It, it, you talked about it last year. We talked about this with Charlie's recruiting class. Like, it's Texas. If you Unless you're screwing it up, you're going to get players. You're going to get players, man. You should get players. Exactly. You should have a top whatever class every year. You're Texas. But, but are you getting enough of them? to stay in your program are you identifying the right guys that can establish that culture that can that can build your roster to where at some point you do have a situation like you had at Texas when things were good like Alabama has right now like Georgia has and is going to have for the foreseeable future that to me is the difference it's not are you going to recruit players because yes it's Texas you should be able to recruit players are you recruiting enough difference makers Mm -hmm. that at some point you've just got so much damn talent that you don't have a choice but to have you know hey we got all these damn defensive tackles Two of these guys are going to be all conference players exactly. just by law of averages. I'm just yep. putting them out there. Once you start yep. stacking up those classes, and those classes have not only where we're talking about a freshman class, but then when I mean, it seems obvious, but you stack up, and then there's a group of sophomores and a group of juniors. So now the next group of freshmen, they aren't the ones being the ones depended upon. They're just filling a hole or just yep. fighting for the couple snaps, like you were saying, yeah. the Griffin or Badly. the Huff. But yeah. think about that competition level, yeah. and then think about, though, the schisms that we've had at Texas. Because, yeah, Texas got the talent. All the years with Charlie have got talent right now with Herman, but there's been a part where, well, the former group of the young kids coming up now, this isn't the coach that brought them here, or now it's I'm draft eligible and can go, and there's a new coach here. There's not continuity the way that a place like Saban, the way that we talk about continuity and how much it may be underrated or just undervalued or not paid attention to because you need to have some type of continuity just to be able to withstand that class, making it through the school and then being able to be replenished so you can finally hit that first cycle that you benefit from a coaching cycle. Yeah. We're still bereft of that since 09. It's been mm-hmm. that horrible 09 class. You basically fired Mack and rehired him with new coaches in that 11 through 13 era. We Pretty went much. through it again with Charlie for three years. Now we're back to where we were there. So yeah. if you can have that continuity to where these freshmen can actually stack up and you can continue to recruit to get those freshmen to fill holes, then you can 
withstand kids leaving early like you could understand whenever Texas lost Vince or lost, say, Ramonts out of nowhere and stuff like that can happen. And you can continue to be good because you have, like Rod said, in those rooms, every room has this culture and just competitiveness to see the field, which, of course, then is going to bleed over to a common goal amongst the whole locker room because you're all just fighting for like almost perfection and knowing that if we complete this, we can do this. But that also takes three years of consistency. We can't even get a damn week of consistency at Texas. It it ends the year and it begins the year. And and to to that point, you with with Texas, you know, you have to have those like three or four years where you kind of, you Mm -hmm. know, you said build it up where Mm -hmm. they you can withstand the the guys who transfer and Mm -hmm. the guys who get hurt and all that kind of stuff. With Bama, this is how deep they are as the deepest team in the history of college football. We saw it real time. Just getting deeper. You saw, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> During the like game. You said, like you said, it's one of those, you know, the slow motion videos yeah. where they show you like the sun rising and the sun setting over like 12 hours, but you can see it in like a minute. Mm-hmm. All right. Where they, they kind of speed everything up, you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of thing. Well, it, it, it's it, that we saw that with Alabama. We saw the, the seven straight years of a number one recruiting class in real time. All right, we're going to take a timeout, but when we come back, more Texas football talk is on the other side, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns, 247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns, 247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. We'll get to more stuff with Texas and how it relates to the championship game, and we'll cover some more of that next week. But, Rod, there's a couple things I want to get to. I uh, I tried to watch the uh, the coaches' film room for the Rose Bowl yeah. and the Sugar Bowl, and my wife got really annoyed and just yeah. wanted to watch the game it, broadcast. It's not entertaining, but for a football freak, it is. So she went to bed at halftime of this game when she realized that uh, they were not going to show the bands at halftime. They were going to show Kendrick <laughs> Lamar instead. So, Kendrick Lamar, come on. My wife wants to see the band. Don't wow. Don't ask. It's, yeah. She's an educator, though. And uh, so she goes to bed. I'm like, okay, good. I can watch. Uh, I can watch the film room. And man, did you get to watch the film room? I did. I watched. A lot I of thought it. David Cutcliffe was freaking awesome, man. He was great because he's probably forgotten more football than most of the guys mm-hmm. in that room know. Uh, and I just thought he was tremendous. He was really good. And David Cutcliffe brought up a point. Well, there's a couple Mike Gundy things I want to get to, and then a David Cutcliffe <laughs> thing. Uh, Gundy said basically, it, we talk about this, and this kind of confirms everything we've talked about and our philosophy of how the Big 12 works. Now, Mike Gundy said basically their philosophy at Oklahoma State offensively is we want to make you defend 52 yards. Yep. We want to make you defend the entire width the of the entire field. field. Yeah. And that's kind of Chip what, Kelly, same thing. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of what we've, we've been talking about is the challenge in the Big 12. Our that, brows, same thing. And the other thing Mike Gundy said, Rod, and this goes back to, you know, we're, we just you broke down cover six just now. We talked about two high safety looks and things like that. And I thought this was very interesting because, you know, Gundy kept – that was one thing he kept harping on was was how much, how much too high – how much too high is Georgia run? How much too yeah. high have they run this year? And – the thing that he brought up and he why he said that they you know Hertz was not going to be effective against a too high look. He said this. He said too high safety looks are really hard to throw against, especially when you've got athletes like Georgia has and you've got outside linebackers that can carry mm-hmm. the wide receivers. That and that run. made me think of Texas. That's why that damn dime package works so good. Yeah, it does. Because man. not you can run you know whatever kind of coverage you want. You want to run too high. You want to run quarter. Whatever you want to run. You've got guys like Gary Johnson and Malik Jefferson or Jason Hall as your dime linebacker they can run they can run with slot receivers they're dbs man yeah, yeah. they they can run so that makes it really really hard to throw the football exactly the other thing right. gundy said and this goes back to something rod you and i talked about a lot we didn't see texas take enough shots down the field shoot yeah and you know what that's why tua was big when tua yeah. came in he started launching the ball downfield didn't see him taking enough shots yeah. and gundy said this and i thought this was brilliant he said you have to you have to be able to you have to basically force the issue with the deep ball when the matchup presents itself because the rules favor the receiver. Yep. All the rules in football now, college and NFL, it favors the wide receiver. I don't even know what you're well. And Gundy said, I don't know why when you've got a cover zero look, why you don't just just check to a fade and just Every throw time. it because the rules favor the rules favor that receiver. Yep. Mm-hmm. Either you're going to grab me, you're going to trip me, it's going to be a P.I., you'll shove me out of bounds, whatever. There are like five or six different things that can happen. And, and most, most of them are, them are most of them yeah, to my advantage. Me, yeah. So why don't, why don't I? I don't know. He says, 
I don't know why more teams don't do that. We talked about it on the show. I would yep. start off the game throwing deep balls. I would just my first like scripted fifteen scripted plays would have four to five deep balls in them. And, and what does Oklahoma State do better than just about anybody in the country? Throw it deep, baby. And West Virginia. Yeah. What does Dana Hoxon like do? Right? What Dana Hoxon loves throwing it deep. Well, girl, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, that makes perfect. And then that's what Alabama needed. And when Nick Saban said they asked him why'd you put Tua in, he said we need somebody that can throw the ball. Yeah, and he can throw the ball. Yeah, simple. And it also shows that yeah. they can just dominate without a quarterback that can throw the ball. Like you got to get to that. Twenty-five and two. Can't but that's that's one of the things where I talked about going back to to depth and and having a lot of freshmen. But you know the fact that the offense staff could have squeezed more juice out of the orange this year, so to say. You know, Rob, we talked about the TCU game was one game where going into that game, one of the things you and I talked about, and, and Matt, I, I think you did too, was how can Texas be competitive in this game? They're gonna have to force the issue with the deep ball. They're gonna have to take shots. And the one scoring drive they had, they hit two deep shots. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. And we never saw them really go back to it. And again. they did. Yeah, you're right. I agree. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, just, I'm with you on that. But you, that's how you. If you're gonna run the ball, you gotta be able to throw it deep. That's kind of the, uh, you know, that's, that's the the counter punch to them. You know, trying to defend your run game, putting guys in the boxes. You gonna leave me man to man on the outside? Okay, we're just gonna chunk it every so now and then. Basically, the Gundy philosophy is you've got to always be on the hunt, looking for when can I take a deep shot. Well, whether with any position, yeah. Texas actually did a, a decent job though this this year, randomly trying to throw in the deep ball. I will say that, but yeah, but, but with Texas, you naturally get deep uh, situations, deep ball situations when the scramble drill happens with Sam Ellinger. You would think, is, you would think, you would think, but they never mastered it. That that's the deep because for that's a that great deep ball opportunity. Player, that's chemistry. Yeah. That's the type of that stuff. Is, that chemistry can only because be created than, like over time. Other than LJ Humphrey and Amani Foreman, I don't think any of the receivers. Amani were really was good, probably the best. We're really good at it. scramble drill. Yeah. Makes well, hell, the, the touchdown, the touchdown catch like, he had in, in the USC game. Yeah, he was great. Scramble at it. drill. Mm-hmm. He just broke to the pylon. Yeah, he's got a fit natural feel for it. Yeah, most receivers don't. And that'll come when you have your first off season with the freshman quarterback with some receivers and some retention. Then you can start to build those type of things. Like we saw that better than anybody. The way that McCoy and Shipley by the end of their career, yep. like literally on the same page every single play. Yep. And here's the other thing. Uh, this was and I, again, I thought David Cutcliffe was just freaking awesome on this on this thing. Yeah, I like him, old man. Later in the game, he's you know when Georgia, Georgia and Alabama both had key possessions, and I think Tom Luganville said, Coach Cutcliffe, what are you doing here? He said, You know, I, every game I go into, it, and I've got a sheet of nothing but what I call drive start, which in a critical yeah. situation mm-hmm. on a critical like possession, they're either easy completions or runs that like our that. kids believe in that boom I know I can go to that yeah these guys know how to run this play yes they know how to block it because it, yeah. we I've heard even though people it's disparaging to discuss them I've heard our brows talk about this I've heard Malzahn talk about this any bright offensive minds in college football I heard them talk about this basically the key to moving the football is getting the first first down once you get the first first down your chances of scoring grow exponentially yeah I would mm-hmm. love to see that study I bet that's I, I agree the with you on that the key to tempo anything you yeah. want to do is getting the first first down and Rod for this offense this year and it's going to be the same case in 2018. Mm-hmm. Winning on first down is going to be paramount. Yeah, well, especially because we don't know about the offensive line right now. So you you can't be behind the chains at this point if you're Texas. You got to be right. ahead of the chains. You got to get to the point where your playbook is always open. You can't close off half your playbook because you're in third and eight and third and long situations. So I agree with you 100%. It's going to be big. And I don't think we started to kind of see it in the bowl game, but I didn't think there were many things this staff did throughout the year that you can point to and say, okay, I think they're real confident. In it. I think they really believe in this concept or this 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 mm. series of run plays or this this series in the passing game. You never really saw that. Goes back to the identity conversation we yeah. were having. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I'm trying to think of something. There are some things they did well, but you're right. In terms of knowing how this team is going to come out for the game and what they're going to try to establish, we never figured right. that out. It was always different from game to game. But going back to the, we talked about it last week, going back to the bowl game with like the opening script, I thought they, if you look at this offense throughout the year, some of the things they did really well were some of the things we saw on those first couple drives in the bowl game. Yeah. You know? Quick. Maybe Tom Herman had more time to mm-hmm. possibly, you know. I'm put sure his, that's put his, part of put his it. fingerprints on things. But you know, the quick the quick quick completions into the boundary. Boom. Quick little just four or five yards. Four or five yards on first down. Yeah. Just quick little throw into the boundary. Uh, the, the play action passing game. The delayed release was great for mm-hmm. Texas. The early play action, like it, it, before the, the running game is working. Who cares if the running game is working? Just open and up I love you action. brought that up this yeah. year because I'm running that into the ground now. Like, yeah, man. And on the first drive your run game doesn't suck yet. Yeah, everybody knows <laughs> that it's everybody's like, yeah, we gotta stop the run. It's like, all right, well, just give them that, you know, give them, give them, give them that illusion that they have to yeah. stop the run when they really don't. You know what I mean? Because our run game sucks anyway. You don't have to stop it. We stop it ourselves. Right. Well, and <laughs> when the first study was done on the first down stuff back in 2008, 
from football analytics, uh, who really was a part of the football outsiders back in the day. 66% of the time after you get a first down, you get a score on that drive. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yep. It's a groove, baby. You got to get in the groove. So it's not, when you look at, basically, this is kind of where I want to pick up the conversation next week and going forward. When you look at revamping, fixing, tweaking, whatever label you want to put on it, what have you, with mm-hmm. the Texas offense in 2018, it's not like there's real wholesale changes that need to be made, Rod B, for this unit to at least be, at least hold up their end of the bargain, at least O-line. carry their weight. O-line is the wholesale, not wholesale, but it's gonna, biggest th- That's going to be the biggest, yeah. It's the, the biggest project. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest right. determination, really, yeah, bringing what you O-line grad transfers I'm hearing a lot about, right? Stanford, uh, Rice. I think, I think you'll definitely right. see them, Tom Herman said it, and I've heard it behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, they're going to try to add, well, maybe two grad transfers. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I think we're all on board with that. I just, you know, throw bodies at it at this yeah. point. Because it, it can't be worse than it was That's last a year. position group where if you're if you're talking about the bodies being veteran bodies, and I'm I'm great with it. Yeah, it's graduate Juco, transfers. Juco guys, perfect. grad transfers, whatever. Yeah. Guys that have some experience, boom. I'm not for, you know, taking high school offensive linemen and I saying, oh, let's th- no, let's redshirt those guys. I'm with you on that. Pull them back a little bit. And yep. don't, like, I don't want to see Sam Cosme start 13 games next year. I'm with you on that. You know? Yeah. No, like, I'm with you. work him into the mix. I didn't want to see Derek Kerstetter start as many games as he started. Yeah, because then you start 10 games. It's, it's, well, Patrick Vahe, I think, may have been kind of a victim of this. You throw those offensive linemen out there too early just because you don't have the depth. And, yes, early on, they excel because they're ahead of the curve. They're Zach ahead of Shackleford. schedule. Where's Shackleford at now? Exactly. But now, but I think you you kind of stunt their ceiling. You lower their ceiling yeah. then instead of developing those guys. offensive line is such a unique position in terms of development. I think that the offensive line and quarterback are very similar in that. I agree with that. Good point. Yeah. yeah guy can make sale early on, but then like RG3, and then it's like, oh, well, they fizzled out because you put them out their way. Give them as much time to grow as possible. And maybe they're just not good enough and it won't work out, but nothing but maximizing the potential those guys have. But the bottom line is it's not like wholesale changes are needed on offense in terms of scheme or whatever for this offense. And I think the offense in 2018 is going to have a ceiling on it. Nah, I don't know if it'll be similar to this offense, but it's not like we can expect this offense to be a top 20 offense in the country. But to make up the margin for error that you had, you know, where, Mm -hmm. you know, you hold Oklahoma State to 10 points in regulation, you should find a way to win that game. And the inability to close out the Texas Tech game or the lows in the Maryland game or the lows in the USC game where you needed the offense just to give you something. Something. Just stay, just keep your defense off the field and give them time to get fresh. Some of these simple things that I heard Mike Gundy and David Cutcliffe talk about were just find up just one or two things that your kids really believe in that you can go to. And, you know, hey, take some risks. You want to take take some take some risks with the deep ball. Hey, man, throw it out there. Even though they did that later on. I mean, they putting trick plays early on in the opening What's, what's you know, interesting, and though, stuff. and I looked at some of the pro football focus numbers before the bowl game, did you know Sam Ellinger had the worst completion percentage going into the bowl game of any Big 12 quarterback on passes 20 yards or more in the air? Well, that explains Shane a Bouch- lot right there. I think Shane Bouchelle was third worst in the conference. That's complete. Wow. So that means they're doing it, not completing them. The intent's there, which you need, just not executing. I wonder what that's about. I, I'd have to go back and maybe watch the film pressure. and see. Is that is it pressure? Is it guys? Is it guys? Scramble not getting, drill. We talked is about. It guys too, not, is it guys many, not getting off the jam? How many of Sam's are him rolling out though, and, yeah. and like scrambling and throwing deep? I, I can remember Tom just off the top of my head. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? So there's so many go levels. Watch. That's an interesting stat though. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. I gotta do some research on that. It makes you want to kind of dive more into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those stats. Yeah, but the black hole. All right, it is time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven, and we will do that on the other side as we close out another adventure of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Thank you for calling Reese and Irvies, the future of frozen yogurt. Um, are you the robot people? <laughs> Reese and Irvies Froyo robots? Yes, ma'am. Our Froyo robots serve seven different flavors of delicious frozen yogurt with up to six delicious toppings all within 60 seconds. We place our robots all over the country. Malls, theaters, theme parks, almost anywhere people want an amazing treat. It's the future of frozen yogurt. And you sell these robots? That's right. Whether you're looking for a full or part-time turnkey business, Reese and Irvies Froyo robots are available as a unique franchise opportunity across the United States. And how do I find great locations for my robots? Well, actually, we do that for you. Your robots go into high-traffic, secured locations, engage with customers daily, deliver amazing Froyo experiences to customers, and you collect the profits. They work so you don't have to. Well, I definitely want my own Froyo robots. How do I get them? It's easy. Just go to FroyoFranchising.com and enter promo code 3636. That's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 3636. Locations are going fast, so don't wait. Again, that's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 3636. 
If you're a small business, first impressions can make all the difference. With Grasshopper, you get all the features of a professional business phone system on your mobile phone. Choose a business phone number, make calls, and send texts. Stay connected and work from anywhere with features like Wi-Fi calling and our desktop app. Set up your account in minutes with no long-term contracts and 24-7 customer support. Make your small business big. Now get $20 off your first month when you visit grasshopper.com slash radio. That's grasshopper.com slash radio. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. Not available in all states. Thank you for calling Reese and Irvy's, the future of frozen yogurt. Um, are you the robot people? <laughs> Reese and Irvy's Froyo robots? Yes, ma'am. Our Froyo robots serve seven different flavors of delicious frozen yogurt with up to six delicious toppings all within 60 seconds. We place our robots all over the country. Malls, theaters, theme parks, almost anywhere people want an amazing treat. It's the future of frozen yogurt. And you sell these robots? That's right. Whether you're looking for a full or part-time turnkey business, Reese and Irvy's Froyo robots are available as a unique franchise opportunity across the United States. And how do I find great locations for my robots? Well, actually, we do that for you. Your robots go into high-traffic, secured locations, engage with customers daily, deliver amazing Froyo experiences to customers, and you collect the profits. They work so you don't have to. Well, I definitely want my own Froyo robots. How do I get them? It's easy. Just go to FroyoFranchising.com and enter promo code 3636. That's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 3636. Locations are going fast, so don't wait. Again, that's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 3636. I'm Grant Langston, the new CEO of eHarmony. If you're online dating and looking for love, you're probably tired of the lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and matches that never turn into dates. If that's you, it's time to try eHarmony. Dating apps of one kind or another have been around a long time, but at the end of the day, they're just virtual bars where no one ever buys you a drink. E-Harmony's different. We're built to help you have a better relationship, and we do that with 17 years of research and experience. E-Harmony's gotten really good at bringing compatible people together, people that want the same things you do and are ready for a real relationship. Hey, it can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, E-Harmony. Go to eHarmony.com today and get a month free when you buy a three-month plan. Use code DATE. eHarmony.com. Use code DATE. I'm a squeaky toy, and I've got one job, getting chomped on by this little ankle sniffer. So pardon me for feeling inept compared to Geico, who does so much more. Like, while I'm getting slobbered on, Geico is creating cool technology like their mobile app, which lets people pay their bills or file a claim. Plus, Geico is the fastest-growing auto insurer for the last 10 years. Is it too much for me to ask for one more feature? Fast and friendly claim service like Geico, maybe? Oh, great. I'm getting buried again. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Allergy congestion, cut grass, cat on the sofa, dust in the carpet. Whenever allergy congestion makes you feel trapped, break through with Allegra D for 5-in-1 24-hour multi-symptom relief. Allegra D combines a non-drowsy antihistamine with a powerful decongestant for fast relief that starts working in just one hour. Break through allergy congestion with Allegra D. Use only as directed. Guaranteed or your money back. Visit Allegra.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, the Horn app, AM 1260, a number of ways you can listen to our wonderful radio partners. You can hear Rod each weekday, 1 to 3, on the Rodcast. And this book. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.